0: Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so chaos reigns. The total omni-shambles of questionable decisions being made by the powers that be, leading to widespread confusion and an increasingly disillusioned populace. No, I'm not talking about post-Brexit Britain in 2022. I'm talking about FPL which is increasingly resembling a bit of a hellscape if social chatter is to be believed. And with this in mind, more kind of specific weekly stuff is rendered harder to chat about on podcasts as it's instantly outdated within 24 hours, as we found a few times recently. So instead, this week, what we'll do is present a Zoomed out look on how things are going thus far and leave the more detailed stuff to the q and as we'll reveal in just a second. As normal service resumes following last week's... Fairly uncomfortable, <laughs> self-indulgent edition of the pod. We are who got the assist. I'm Tom. If I'm on Twitter at FPL. my co-host is Anthony at FPL Stag. You're right, Anthony. Have you recovered from the avalanche of positive sentiment expressed your way last week?
1: Ah, yeah, no, all all is well here, Tom. Thank you. Yeah, there were some a few lovely tweets sent on, and indeed there was a lot of people who were really excited about the new hosts coming on board for this season and indeed the next. So it was nice to see that that uh, the People who listen to the pod are excited about what's to come, and that is the most important thing. But for now, I guess, we'll we'll focus on what's right in front of us, Tom, which is, of course, as you say, the omni-shambles, which allows us, I think, to look back more than anything, to zoom out and see how things have gone this year at the halfway-ish stage you know, some teams have played 19 games some have played less some have even played 21 so you know you choose where halfway is lads this is close as we're getting this year so this is the half year report of the 200 club so we're going to follow up on what we did after 10 game weeks 10 podcasts ago And we're going to then follow that up with some correspondence and questions and answers. And we'll do our best in the questions and answers to deal with the increasingly dodgy questions around the double game week, which will be very hard to answer. But we will do our best anyway, because this game week is still going on because of the massive double game week that was less of a double game week than we thought because they moved the goalposts. We're not going to go too much into this game week. So all those preliminary things that we usually do with league updates and market forces and the like, we're just going to skip through. So... Let's kick off, first of all, with Game Week reviews, but very, very briefly, as we say, because everything is still moving.
0: Yes, indeed. So I'm on 48 at the moment. What feels like an age ago, I took a minus eight to get Antonio Bowen and Michael bloody Keane in for the injured Rhys James, a covid Foden and Broyer. Keane, I bought him in on the proviso of a double Game Week at home and a potential double double, including Norwich in Game Week 22, hoping for that centre-backs bullet header. I've got a lovely one point after a very interesting postponement on Tuesday night. With all due respect to Leicester fans, I'm not sure about that one. It's about as solid as Klopp saying 10 players with false positives for Liverpool. Anyway, uh, elsewhere, I captained Antonio, brought him in and captained him. Only the third time I've brought in and captained a player on a hit. This season thus far, Mikel obviously said to captain him. Bowen, hilarious penalty assist. He headed it into Millie's hand and not much elsewhere, to be honest. Uh, Jota, dodgy assist. Son assist, last gap. He's now cropped. Trent assist. He's now got COVID. And um, I'm getting eight points off my bench in Saka's goal versus City and Martinelli because Watkins didn't show up, nor did Dallow. And I wish I'd spot Martinelli and Cody because Cody's third on my bench with six points after that 1-0 win at Old Trafford for the Wolves, but them's the breaks really. And I've got Antonio and Bowen to play versus Norwich on Wednesday so I'm hopeful of a green arrow because I'm only three points or so off the safety score Bowen's over 100% EO for me though and Antonio's under so I need Bowen to not score as many as Antonio does for it to work out and hopefully it'll be all good quickly on Watkins as well I got him in four game weeks ago before the suspended fixture the random no-show this week means that over the last four weeks he's had the following postponed blank postponed code. Great quad, great way to spend four points. Cheers,
1: Ollie. what talent you are. Right, Anthony, what about you? It's a little bit worse here. I'm on 36 points uh, in all for the game week so far. That's including players coming off the bench and whatnot. It's fairly disappointing. Basically, where I've been hit and where I'm missing out is that I, I don't have Salah in my team at the moment, so there was about seven-ish points against effectively. And I also don't have Antonio, so there was the guts of six points against me for not having him as well. Who did I have? I had the ever-disappointing Guaita and goals for one point, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Rudiger and Cancelo, the back line that is so, so worth paying for that got seven points in total between them. In midfield, I have Son, who got his little assist. That was handy. We have Alan, the legend, who had a double game week, of course, who did chip in with an assist, but then lost his double game week. So you take what you want from that five points for cheap value. Phil Foden didn't play. Um, but I have Emery Laporte coming off the bench it was kind of one of those ones where I brought him in on a transfer kind of because I had two free transfers I knew one of him or Cancelo would play I just wanted one City defender given their fixture He I ended up with him uh, of course coming in so he has six points as well which is it's handy that I captained Bowen uh, so he has his ten points so far and all going well his double game week will be completed um, an FA Cup goal of course in the interim and then up top I had my fresh transfer in Cristiano Ronaldo who got nothing. Um, I had uh, Josh King, who, as usual, got nothing. And I also had Watkins, who didn't show up, which meant that Ben White also came off my bench for a single point. So a fairly disappointing week. um, Where I'm at in terms of uh, flags and things will become a a bit clearer at the end of the podcast, but quite tempted, actually, to pull the wild card at this stage, just to try and fix just everything that's going wrong with my team my rank, it's kind of gone a bit sideways. I'm not very far off my safety score. I'm six points off the safety score with Bowen to play. I think it's it's possible that I could still kind of just go fully sideways this week. Either way, it won't be a big change to my rank um, at any point this game week.
0: That's definitely a, bit of a disappointing one yet again, unfortunately. Never mind. Right. Uh, let's go on then to... The objectives. And I think instead of just running through them as we're at the kind of halfway-ish, around the halfway point, it's worth maybe just having a look at how we've done up until this point. And as I said, I think this is the closest halfway we're, we'll get to do kind of a, a first half review. So we put these subjects together at the start of the season as a way of you know, analysing our past performances and past seasons. And trying to see what behavioural nudges, I guess, we could build into how we play the game to see if we could have a positive impact, basically, on, on how we played. So we set three, four at the start of the season and we've been following them to varying degrees of success and failure. I'll do mine in a minute, but um, Anthony, would you mind running through yours, what they were built on and how they've gone for you? Joshua, about how the season's gone, I'm guessing you're never going to do objectives ever
1: again kind of the overall broad feeling, yes. So the first of my objectives was, was to do with my the captaincy. And a bit like you, Tom, I've found that I was constantly disappointed with my captaincy score or the outcome, let's say, when I looked at it at the end of the season and saw how much I'd really got from my captains over the year. And I guess to try and counteract things going against me, I decided to try and c- just to go and captain with the herd or with the algorithms. I kind of was a little bit wishy-washy about what that meant, but that was effectively meaning that it was either you know the player that was winning out on the algos or maybe the one that just like common consensus was the player that we'd be captaining. So this week, Bowen was about as big of a stretch as I could get away with with my captaincy. But you know his EO being north of uh, 100% in the top 10K, I guess, tells you that it wasn't exactly a revelatory pick at the same time to go for him. That has worked out okay so far this season. If anything, just because the default captain of Zala pretty much everyone has meant that I haven't really felt the need or want to stray away from this all too much I think the longer we go and the longer this season goes poorly the more I'm feeling like the captaincy is a way that I could maybe get an edge on people but of course this is always the danger with the captaincy that you start to think that way and indeed in the correspondence section further on we'll be kind of discussing how you know Salah is super consistent but doesn't actually tend to explode all that frequently Which might make you tempted to not captain him, but then you take the risk that you won't get any returns at all, and he is rather consistent. My second objective regarding my transfers, and it was just not to be afraid to transfer out elite players if they've dropped off. Where this was born out of was that I, last season, I found that I was keeping in players who are, you know, twelve-ish million. Yeah. purely because you know they were there. I was keeping them a KDB-type character that I just thought, okay, I've got them in. I think he will return. It will come. The points will come. And maybe it's because of a team structure thing. Maybe it's because, you know, if you wanted to move from an elite striker to an elite midfielder, for example, you tend to have to take hits or whatever. I was very slow to transfer them out. And so this year, I tried to move away from that. Um, I followed that, but because I, at one point, for example, had the Thremium. But having the 3 million in and of itself was so much of a disaster that it was no surprise that I ended up following this particular objective. And so I'm not sure if there was a huge value in this particular objective for me this year because so frequently the only elite players that I really would have wanted um, were Trent and Salah. So mm, that, that's a funny one. Timings was uh, the next my objective and that was basically yeah. to avoid making transfers super late on a Friday night or early on a Saturday morning. I, I felt that at times I was just postponing making a decision and postponing it and postponing it and postponing it I think I've got a little bit better at this but the problem is that because of the the COVID context especially and it's seeming like a goalposter so frequently moving close to the deadline uh, I do find myself making my transfers late on a bit more than I'd like to um, maybe before the COVID problems became as big as they are I wasn't as bad with that Um, but as an objective I I just don't like it I I actually have found that it's hamstrung me that I felt that instead of postponing the actual transfer decision to late I'm actually now postponing all of the thinking to when I do the transfer and then just doing it all in kind of one fell swoop let's say early on a Friday of a standard game week That, that really isn't helpful but this was my way of trying to avoid myself just going into my cycle of thinking without getting anywhere and then the final objective regarded play style I had a Hoped of taking a max of 10 hits in total. I've taken seven so far this year. It has not done me well. I genuinely have not been anywhere near aggressive enough to move out dross from my team because I was mm-hmm. thinking about this particular objective. Even over Christmas, for example, I've kept Emil Smith Rowe in my side. And in another year, I might have been like, oh, I'll just ditch him and get one of the other midfielders who is more guaranteed to play. Or Foden, for example, who I brought into my side. I should have just you know, parked my losses and just thought, OK, this clearly isn't going to work out. He's had this, that and the other going on with him. Move him on. But I, I didn't. And it was part of the reason why was because this objective was playing on my mind. I won't be doing that again. And I'm indeed probably just going to abandon it for the second half of the season.
0: OK, so as it stands then, your captaincy C1- won is the only one which actually is live because you won't be, or maybe as elite players will come in. Yeah. But timings is kind of irrelevant because we're all doing transfers late at the moment and play styles are relevant now. And it's it's amazing really how the context switches around so much and you've got a way to to go in order to match these things up with how it is. And it seems just two of yours, which made a lot of sense for you in terms of like last season, especially in terms of what you're saying about you know, making those decisions late and not really working out and limiting yourself on hits these things this season have been rendered irrelevant. Incredible, really, at this halfway point. Are you going to change them going forward? or Should I just remove three and four for you?
1: Ah, we'll, we'll leave them there as relics of a past time, maybe. But I, I don't see myself keeping um, certainly the, the hits one. We'll leave the timing one there because hopefully things will return to something like a normality and I can start to make Thursday and Friday decisions again. But for now, yeah, the, the objectives have been a mm-hmm. bit of a disaster in and of themselves.
0: Yeah. You're like that guy who's having his kind of six month review. Who's just like, well, I've only accomplished one of my objectives, but the other three are irrelevant because my job's changed. So you know, give me money
1: anyway. <laughs> but but yeah, that's, no. a, that's perfectly it. Like that's exactly it. Yeah, that
0: certainly makes sense. So I, on the other hand, have been a bit of a goody two-shoes. I've been pretty good with my objectives. Uh, so you all know that captaincy, do what Mikel's captaincy algorithm tells me to do every week. Ideal number one pick, if not number two. I've not deviated from that really. And it's actually cost me a great deal. So I, he went with Kai Havertz back in game week nine, for example. And that's something, you know, captioning him over at Mo Salah is probably going to be something that cost me a top top finish this season but at the end of the day you know i don't blame michael it's all it's all my choices it's really hard to evaluate the shoulda woulda couldas of this you know who i would have captained if wasn't for the algo because i've committed to this all season i will till the end so quantitatively i can't really speak to the impact of this particular objective except saying my rank at this point is better than it any point over the last kind of few seasons which may have something to do with that what i will say though is that this has been amazing really psychologically i've just not worried about captains really this season and I've not hated myself for making bad decisions with the armband as much as I have in past seasons. I've completely outsourced the job to somebody who's cleverer than me. And it's been fantastic just to have that stress taken away, to be honest. I'd highly recommend it. It's not really steered me wrong, apart from Kai Havertz, which was a massive outlier, to be fair.
1: How much do you think the underperformance of so many premiums has played into that particular objective being something that you've been okay with if you felt like you were losing out because let's say the premium player that was coming third was frequently outscoring the pick that you went with or if if it even if it felt like that just because of you know the way these things stand out in our mind do you think you'd feel more different
0: Potentially, like if it was if, if there were two players every week and it was turning into fifty you fifty, know, like the old days of when it was Kane yeah. versus Salah weeks a week and it going wrong, then maybe my uh, my faith in it would be shaken a little bit. But I quite like having just committed to it, and I, I have even when Salah's been out of the picture captain with the algorithm i captain with the algorithm this week for example with antonio over bowen and i quite like that just because i the reason i did this was because i was so bad at captains it was screwing me up season after season i was having good weeks but i would have done something like captain vardy away on difficult fixture rather than captain bruno fernandez at home stuff like that was really appending me so it's just a way of sort of nudging me to just take the stress out of the captain a little bit. Now I'm talking about premium players actually in the correspondence as you spoke about earlier. Um, my other two objectives are kind of uh, interesting. So objective two was to take a hit in a 50-50 because I ended up hesitating a lot last year when actually a hit-friendly way of doing things on analysis in hindsight, we worked okay. And I was up on the hits that I took. Objective three was take a chance on form. It's a bit of a woolly one. It was meant to guard against missing out on the season keeper. So last year, I effectively had 10 players all season because I couldn't, fix a third defender so someone like Dallas I could have got him in at 4.5 and just left him there and that was the whole point of that one but this season has actually thrown off its intended use a bit because of the COVID crapshoot and what I've seen more is that the two sort of transfers objectives so the 50-50 take a hit and take a chance on the form have had this sort of strange interrelationship I didn't really anticipate because that's meant that Often I'm buying in marginal players who have good fixtures against the poor team. So I'm spinning taking chance for form as being playoff against bad form effectively. And, and that's done pretty well for me. I've been always been quite a hit-friendly player, but this season it's, it's, it's been more than all right. So I, I know we've lost all vestige of normality this season, as you mentioned earlier, Anthony. Like I've made 30 transfers this season and I found myself with a 52 points worth of hits spent. But I've done nine of these in the last six game weeks, i.e. since things have really hit the fan. So I guess in contrast to you, I've been aggressive. In turning over the dross from my side. Now I did a little analysis of my hits this season, and I'm not going to go through them all. But i have just put it on the screen for those watching. I've been hard on myself as well. So, for example, in where I've mistakenly benched Dallow and got 15 points for Gallagher, I've not given myself the 15 for Gallagher, I've given myself the zero for the guy I've brought in. And I've also looked at it for captains and not captains. So up until this point, I've taken the number of hits I mentioned, 52 points, but I'm actually up 35 points on hits I've made including captains or 22 points without including captains and I've additionally sold 33 points worth of players so players I've sold have then scored 33 points in total throughout the course of the season and a whacking 128 points have been scored from players that I've brought in immediately that's not the right way to look at it of course but it looks like in terms of my profit and loss over the course of the season so far and um, taking those hits in those 55 situations and betting on good fixtures has worked out mostly apart from a very costly game week 15, when I was nine points down uh, bringing in players has mostly been to my benefit thus far this season. And a lot of that has just been due to, as Anthony kind of said, he's not been doing what I've been doing is just getting rid of dross. So every game week, pretty much except two maybe i've removed a player who hasn't had a game or hasn't played and maybe that's a way of engineering the hits to look better than they actually are but at the same time it's led to positive outcomes from taking those hits obviously there's kind of other dimensions so i could say you know what if i had not taken the hit and benched this person or etc etc and so on and so on but that's very very hard again to measure this is just a very crude way of measuring it but as i said i've got a positive total at the moment with and without our captains in terms of taking those hits so i think that those kind of objectives are working for me to some extent at the moment i'm happy with keeping them so i'll be keeping mine
1: <laughs> do you know what tom i actually brought up your history for this season as well just to see how those hits went in a game week by game week sense but you know checking out the game week rank let's say to see how you went against other people and i would really say if you were to say that, you know, a game week rank of in excess of 2 million was a bad week. And that isn't necessarily a bad week because it really does depend on what happens in a given week. So this isn't a perfect way to analyze renting. But of the weeks where you've taken hits and there's been plenty of them, not many of them have resulted in like really bad game weeks and quite a few of them have resulted in you know big green arrow weeks like for example you've taken a minus eight in on route to getting a hundred 170 000 game week rank you've taken a minus eight on route to getting a 403k game week rank you've taken a minus four on route to getting a 200k game week rank another one that brought you another 465k game week rank um Quite a few, like there is three of them have given you a, a a game week rank of over 2 million, but two of those were kind of marginal. Only one of them really was a shambolic one. And that was in, in game week nine, you took a minus four and you ended up with a 5 million game week rank. But, you know, these things happen, unfortunately.
0: Well, that was a Kai Havertz. Oh, that was that the week. week yeah.
1: There you go. Um, so that was the, that was the only week really where you could clearly point really not going well for you. But overall, as you say, grasping the nettle has worked out very well for you.
0: Yes, and I'll continue to do so. I, I understand completely when people say to me, you know, it's always a risk. It's not going. It might not work out for you, but in some ways, it's been very good because I'm able to kind of get ahead of what my transfer plans are and at the moment to be honest like, and we'll come on to this later on in the questions just playing week to week just makes so much sense even if it is a minus four even if it is a minus eight and you can see on live FPL you know most of FPL was going into a game week with a minus two or a minus three which is tantamount to a lot of managers taking at least a hit so the minus four I think is indeed new zero at the moment final bit of this particular section normally we do the mini league update and leave that one for now and also going to leave the market forces the only thing I want to note is that Sonher Min was brought in by 392,000 managers uh, before he was ruled out. And he's now been sold by 186,000 managers. So, yeah, uh, I guess the abiding lesson is here. Even if you're bored, I know it's a very, very long kind of break. It's felt like an absolute age up until this West Ham-Norwich fixture. But seriously... Just just don't do it. I know that you can get a 0.1 or whatever, but just just don't do it. There's just no point. You're going to end yourself in the mire. Right, let's take a quick break there before we move on to the main topic this week. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and this week we're going to be looking at how the 200 club looks at this point. We're, we're nigh on the halfway point, near enough the highway point. Highway point? Halfway point? If you ask Sean Dye, she'll say, yeah, it's the halfway point, albeit in a very, very husky voice. Huskier than normal because he's got COVID. So I I can only imagine how husky he sounds like. He must sound like, like a scourer scouring a blackboard at the moment, something like that. But anyway, the 200 Club, Anthony, it's definitely been something that we've been looking at, keeping an eye on all season, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. The 200 Club, I guess, is something that we've looked at on podcasts for a number of seasons back now. And Maybe what this is born out of is the talisman theory that you do every summer uh, where we try to identify who is it um, at different clubs tends to be the player that is getting the most kind of attacking returns and the kind of valuable points returns in a team. And this is a good way of identifying which which is the player that you should really seek to buy in because they are the, the player that their team relies on. Hence, they are their team's talisman. Um, And so frequently we find that 200 club members are talisman at different clubs, but not necessarily always the case. And so the 200 club is a number that we've picked because it it does tend to mark out excellence. Uh, Very few players managed to reach the 200 club barrier um, or the 200 point barrier in a given season. For example, last year, just four players crossed that threshold. Those were Salah, Bruno, Kane and Son. Uh, In other years, we've seen uh, a little bit more players hit it six in 2016-17 just three in 2017-18 there was eight men then for two years in a row before last year's four so you kind of get the idea of how it is a rare feat to achieve Um, some players are able to do it quite consistently like Salah Uh, some players dip in and out of it um but overall, it is um, an interesting metric to look at. And indeed, we tend to look at kind of the top 10 players in a given year as well, just to flesh out the data a little bit more because we're not against players who get one hundred and ninety something points and who don't just quite get there for some random reason. You know, you're basically talking about the the guts of one goal really, um, and one and a few bonus points often being the difference between getting into it or not for some players. Uh, So it is an interesting thing to look at. We tend, it it does help guide us, I think, with transfers and maybe with prioritizing major transfers uh, over a period of time as well. And I think that's why I think it's a particularly useful thing to look at.
0: Yeah, certainly a few 199s nine as well that we don't we don't we don't discount them as much as we well, we do but we shouldn't discount them so uh, kevin de bruyne in 2017 199 christian nine. Eriksen, bless him 199 nine, 2018 and daniel ings in 2019 20 I don't know why I call him daniel I'm not his mother uh, but he got 198 in 2019 20 this season, episode 13 of this season's pod, uh, we looked at how the 200 club was going uh, at the 10 game week mark and basically did a bit of a dive in the data effectively. And what I found last time was that about half of the players who were in the top 10 by game week 10 stay there. And back in game week 10, the top 10 were at that time, Salah up top with 112 points. He was absolutely out of sight, effectively, the rest of the chasing pack. Second was Antonio. Remember when he was good? 59 points, followed by Vardy, Mane, Reese James, Son, Rama. Wow, really? Cancello, Trent. And then in joint 10th, so there are actually 12 individuals here, Rudiger, Mendy, and Gallagher. And all of that from second to 10th were separated by just eight points. It was very, very close back then hearing back, I suppose, what we'd said back then, I'd hoped that we'd see a lot of individuals threatening this 200 club and we wouldn't end up, like last season, with four 200 club members. I declined to name names, but I noted, as I said a second ago, that from last season's findings, about half the 200 club were already in place. So the likes of Salah, obviously, I know, Son, Trent, players like that would get there. And Anthony, you did name some names, didn't you, into the end of that podcast?
1: Yeah, I did. And they haven't gone too badly. Better than a lot of predictions I tend to make on the podcast, I would say. Uh, some of the names were already on track and were in the top 10 that you've named. And then there were a few dark horses that I hoped would uh, race forward to, to be perfectly honest with you, have not raced forward. So one name I picked out was Son. He was on 55 points in game week 10 and uh, he is now over the 100 point mark with just over half of the season gone for him. I expected Bruno Fernandes to get there. I thought that Ronaldo was going to be protected and that he would become a more important focal point in that United attack. That hasn't worked out at all. Uh, he has seventy three points so far. I think there's a bit of a Stockholm syndrome type thing affecting me there, and that you know, I'm so I was so burnt by not believing in him years ago, and because yeah. of his ludicrous reliance on low xG, long shots, and penalties, that I kind of found some way to believe in him. Uh, I even brought him into my team at one point in the period since game week ten to now. Anyway, no, he is probably not going to make it into the 200 club unless things um, go back to how they were in the better times for that club. Cancelo, I would picked out as someone who would get there. He had 53 points at that point, and indeed he is now over 100 points and flying. Trent Alexander-Arnold, not necessarily the most uh, out-there prediction, but he is indeed also well on track. I thought Romelu Lukaku would get there. I couldn't see how Chelsea wouldn't be able to get him going. And this has proven to be a real surprise. He's had seven shots on target so far this season. He's managed to get five goals from those and 53 points. But uh, no, he's probably not going to get there at this stage. And the Inter love letter saga thing that's gone on in recent times probably won't help things any further. Rudiger was in the list back then in game week 10. And I thought at Chelsea defender might get there. Rudiger is still kind of in the running with 92, but he's not really in the... Like with 17 games left to play, he needs to start beating out the average that he has, you know, up to this point so far. And he also has his contract issue. It seemingly he's going to be leaving the club at the end of the season for free. Mm-hmm. Is he going to keep playing? This might not necessarily, um, you know. There's there's a few points to be got there in the final few game weeks. That I guess maybe he may not be taking at that point michael antonio was one i thought was going to continue his run he has 92 points now and he is in the middle of the double game week of course uh, which leaves him with 18 left to play so he's a little bit behind but you know you're just a few big games away from him being right up there in the running but he is just awful at the moment so the names i named not too bad tom but not brilliant uh, either
0: not too bad the crystal ball is half capacity at the moment i'd say cool, uh. um, yeah, go with that. So I took a snapshot of where we were, not including this game week. Um, so McAntonio's seven and Jared Bowen's five aren't included. Uh, but in terms of game week twenty one, the top ten is now as follows: Salah on top one seven seven, Trent second one three two, Cancelo third one two one, Son in fourth one zero seven, Bernardo one zero three. He's fifth. Jota one zero one. He's sixth. Mane ninety seven. Bowen and Diaz joint 96, and Mason Mount makes up the top 10. What this means is that we've got five players who were in the top 10 staying in the top 10, and five newbies. And as we said back in the pod 13, about half the players in the top 10 stay in the top 10 throughout the course season. So we're bang on course for that. Uh, Antonio, Reese James, Vardy, Benrahma, Rudiger, Gallagher and Mendy have all made way from that top 10. Although as Anthony's just mentioned, Antonio isn't far off it. Rudiger's actually not, not far off it either. In fact, he, Antonio and Dennis are all joined with 92 points and I think it's joint 12th. So just off the picture. And if you remember back then as well, back in the, game week 10 one of the key questions we were asking was where are the mid-price midfielders what's going on with them and where's the value well now those questions have been answered very nicely with the likes of mount with the likes of jota bernardo and bowen all sticking into that top 10 and mount's points as well are quite interesting so they're not fueled by that norwich 24 pointer well, obviously it does add to it but he's been quietly performing so between game week 14 and 17 he scored goals in every single game for four weeks and just didn't feature in anyone's radars whatsoever so yeah quite a lot going on here uh, half the top 10 are clinging on and others have emerged and as i've said the midfielders have really emerged so seven out of the current top 10 are currently midfielders there are now no strikers to the surprise of absolutely no one after antonio's drop off in numbers perhaps we'll be getting back on it now he is looking back to his old self nor goalkeepers and diaz has joined Trent and Cancelo in the top ten, but yeah, at the moment we're broadly on track. Anthony, we're seeing that trend from the past where five players from the top ten around game week ten seem to stay in that top ten throughout the course of the season.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it is interesting to see that. I think the, the players that were you can say that we had say we're, we thought we're locked in by game week ten and who've proven to be that the case. You know, Salah. T.A. and Cancelo were and even San indeed were all players that we would have picked out from the start of this season as players who could hit the 200 club. Indeed, Salah has obviously been there before. Mane is only just off the 200 club line at the moment and has been a 200 club member in the past. Son Ditto was there last season. And then Cancelo and T.A. were kind of the sorts of players who we thought could get there and um, are really proving it. The other ones are a little bit more interesting in that I guess the, the argument for Jota you could nearly build in the same way around Salah and Mane and he has really picked up the pace uh, in the last uh, 10 or so game weeks. Bowen is a real surprise. I don't think any of us would have seen him getting there um, at the start of the season. Uh, this has been a really impressive season for him. Diaz, you uh, I think we could have always seen Diaz getting somewhere near just because you would have expected him yeah, to definitely. probably be part of something like 20 clean sheets in the season. Well, maybe 18 clean sheets in the season. And uh, if you're picking up that many four points for clean sheets, then you only need a few to sprinkle in a few attacking returns and a few bonus points, and you can make your way to 200. So not too bad from him. Mount is a really interesting one. 95 points for Mount, given as well that he didn't actually play very consistently between game weeks four and game week eleven there was quite a few no-shows he played 25 minutes twice 45 minutes once he Played there was a start in the middle of that so for what has been quite a disturbed season for him to have ticked away to 95 points largely under the radar but for the 24 points against Norwich and I know that's a massive but for but um, you know Bruno Fernandes had a hat-trick this season too and we've totally forgotten about him so it is quite yeah. interesting to see how well he has done. His price has ticked up and there's definitely been um, an increase in his ownership. It's not to say that no one has noticed at all, but just certainly there's no Mount Hype machine. Uh, maybe that's just because of the type of player he is. His underlying data isn't exactly staggering, but he is very consistent and he is a brilliant player.
0: Yeah. 23% owns. And I just don't know who those owners are really. Um, Stealth owners, as it were. So, Yeah, I mean, just to kind of look at this a bit further, what I did, and I'm sticking with the last three seasons as per the last pod. There's a clear caveat, of course, that it's a small sample size. I'm doing this out of qualitative interest rather than seeking to prove quantum mechanics. So don't at me, but but as I'm very sad, Anthony, what I did was I looked at you know Game Week 21s over the last three years as well, just to see if there was any sort of commonality. And see if we can project anything, really. So as I said, between game weeks 10 and 38, what we found was that five of the top 10 tend to stick around. What I found over the last three years is something kind of quite interesting as well. So last year at this point, Eight of the top 10 in the end found themselves in the top 10 by game week 21. Only Marcus Rashford, who came up from 13th to 9th, and Stuart Dallas, who came all the way up from 30th to 10th by the end, broke into the top 10. No doubt Aiden the better by that amazing brace against Man City when everyone had benched him. And at this point, you had Salah first, Bruno second, and Kane Son third. They were the top four by game week 10 and stayed there throughout the whole year. Those four guys at this point were only separated by three points. Grealish and Callum Wilson were the ones to drop out. So yes, last season, eight out of 10 players in the top 10 by game of 21 stayed there. 2019, 20, eight again, stayed there. Only Anthony Martial through his fabulous project. Restart 78 points in eight games really surged into the reckoning. He was 32nd and finished up in eighth. And Jimenez, it you know, jumped up slightly from 11th to 10th, and Marcus Rashford and Tamri Abraham, who were fifth and eighth at this point, dropped out to accommodate them. So again, eight of the top 10. And in 2018 19, three players surged into the top 10, though he were Sadio Mane, who didn't really surge, he just went from 11th. Kunigero, 20th, up to eighth, and Trent, as on Arnold. Actually, no, it's four players, isn't it? Trent, and then the Icelandic player who used to play for Everton uh, came up from 18th. Basically, what we've seen over the last few years is probably about a quarter of players who are not who are not in the top 10 at this point, eventually made it in. There's probably about two or three players every season who are able to get into the Game of 21 upper echelons. This means that we see more solidification at this juncture than we did between Game Week 10 and the end of the season. So th- there's less opportunity now to break in to the elite. And finally, every 200 Cup member, apart from Anthony Marshall in twenty nineteen twenty, and Sadio Mane and Kuniguera in 2018-19, They've all stayed there, basically. So 85% of the 200 club who are in the top 10 in Game of 21 over the last three seasons have remained there. So there's not that much movement, really, with regard to a lot of things. And it could be that we're fairly solidified in in how that top 10 at the moment looks in Game of 21, which is Salah, Trent, Cancelo, Son, Bernardo Silva, Jota, Mane, Bowen, Diaz and Mount. If we look at the last three seasons, you'd be expecting expecting that maybe see two or three players break into that but that's probably it one thing that is worth noting though is that there's a lot of blockage <laughs> behind uh behind mount so behind him you've got Saka on 93 as i mentioned earlier really good dennis antonio all on 92 gallagher and james on 91 then rama spiffro in, in the high 80s so you've got quite a few players who are threatening that 10th place spot i'm hoping that this season will break the mold a little bit Admittedly, I've could have done this over the last five or six seasons at the time today. But I'm hoping what we'll see is this season breaks the mould a bit and there will be some players who are able to break through into that top 10, more so than in previous years.
1: The thing with this, Tom, is that I think, as you say, it's that traffic jam behind Mount that would make you hopeful that we will see a bit of a shifting here, more of a shifting than two or three names anyway. Uh, and also just because... you. You've kind of got to feel that there's a little, there's a, a serious amount of overperformance uh, aiding, for example, Bernardo getting into this. You'd have to wonder as well if uh, Mane will drop back just because of his Afcon missing out in the few games at Afcon. His points per game wouldn't have been as high as, for example, Salas, and that maybe the, that the extra few games that he missed might just be the difference between him making it into the two hundred club and not this season. Uh, like there, there's a few factors at play which might lend itself towards um, a surge and indeed actually something we were talking about with the the guys last week is that you know we could see a striker surge up from somewhere too like you're really only talking about one hat-trick to push quite a few players into the reckoning from where they are right now Um, Antonio of course we've kind of said as he's just on the edge of it Emmanuel Dennis it would be absolutely amazing if he was to get anywhere near the 200 club given where he's coming from this season but at 92 points you wouldn't know and indeed look we, we can't discount him Ronaldo he's hanging there with 82 points he's not that far off in the overall scheme things and if he was if United were to actually start purring at all he was to start returning, then things could change quite quickly for his fortunes um, vis-à-vis getting into the 200 club.
0: Definitely. I I do think in terms of the 200 club itself, we're likely to see the top three, Salah, Trent, and maybe Cancelo get there. Sadly, I think it is looking like a season where there are only going to be a small amount of players actually make it there for a variety of reasons. But we have a lot of games to come a lot of games that are kind of postponed, but a player is going to have to really pull out an Anthony Martial sort of level second half performance of the season in order to get there. I think to get into the top 10, though, that's going to be a lot more doable as you've just referenced. And a, a few players, I mean, last week we were speaking about Aston Villa's great, it's run of uh, run of fixtures at the, this sort of uh, end of the season because you have lots of uh, Ollie Watkins or maybe even Danny Ings or probably not Coutinho uh, but probably one of those who make it another nomination I put forward is Rafinha I think he could probably make the top 10 the back end of the season for Leeds is very good really really good actually um, a lot of their players are coming back to fitness now he could be another one who could make it into that top 10 but I, I, I think that it would be interesting to see what the kind of complexion of that top 10 is towards the end of the season They're being no strike has been a as you said on the last pod that we did with everybody has been a real feature of this season and it would be an absolutely outrageous thing I mean that's kind of Riyad Mahrez back in the Leicester year when he starts at 5.5 and making his way into the 200 club level of sensation if if, if Dennis can get there you, you can't put it past him but at the end of the day I think in terms of 200 club it's looking like it's going to be quite a small one sadly this year but in terms of the top 10 I think it's all to play for
1: yeah, yeah, I think, I think I'd think i agree with that. In terms of the, the 200 club, I'd be the same as you. I really don't think we're going to see a huge amount of players. in it. I suspect you can nail four, uh, Salah Salasan, Trent and Cancelo. After that, I have my doubts. And even you could say that there's question marks about Cancelo because will he just keep getting the game time required? Yeah. He's in a good position right now with 121, but you kind of just need to lose a few weeks for that to uh, turn on its head against him. Jota, actually. I would give Jota a good I was chance. About, I, was about, I was about to say Jota. Sorry, so yes, yeah. Jota. Yeah, I had Jota listed as well.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I, I I could see that happening. And I could also, um, West Ham's back end of the season is very good. Small squad, so we'll see how that goes, especially because they're still active in Europe. But if they continue in this current form, if they're still playing for something and up until very late in the season, I wouldn't discount the likes of Bowen, who's especially been on fire recently, and Antonio from from remounting a challenge. It's just a shame the likes of, you know, Reed have had their kind of candidacies curtailed. But sadly, a smaller 200 club, But a very challengeable, contestable top 10, I think, is the headline here. All right, we'll take a break there and move on to the correspondence and questions just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right, so we're back and it's on to the correspondence and listener questions this week. And this week's correspondence comes from Andy Pemben, who I've spoken to a lot on FPR Twitter. Take it away, Anthony.
1: Yes, this is indeed the correspondence.
0: So we're back, and it's time to head into the correspondence and listen to questions now. First uh, is the correspondence this week sent in by Am- Andy Penman. Let's take it away, Anthony.
1: Yes indeed, Tom. The correspondence section, listeners' chance to get in their thoughts, addendums, clarifications, whatever it might be on pods in a long form, uh, usually by email to who got the assist at gmail.com, but by any other means that you know of contacting us is acceptable if it fits the type of content that you're sending on. Andy has emailed. Um he sent his email actually in December. Um, but such as the bulging mailbox that the correspondence section has and our Uh, difficulties with fitting it into the pods over the Christmas period. It's been a while since we got a chance to address it. So here we are. Uh, Andy's question went thus. The dominance of of Salah this season has led to some soul searching across the FPL community about how we think about most of the other premium players. I feel like I've heard the following phrase more often this season than any before. Why spend X million on an expensive player if you're not going to captain him? This gets me thinking about a question that has plagued me for many a year playing FPL. What are we paying for when we pay for a premium player? Andy says that there's two answers to this as far as he's concerned. Explosive potential and reliability. Andy's view is that the FPL discussion across managers is so frequently too focused only on a premium's value as an explosive option. And that people overlook the reliability factor when it comes to the premiums. He points out Salah to prove his point We get excited about the fact that he exploded at Old Trafford in Game Week 9. But since that Game Week 9 game, Salah has actually exploded just once. He's had a double-figure haul just once since Game Week 9, and that was at a disintegrating Everton. But on the other hand, when you talk about reliability, Salah has blanked in just three games or three game weeks since uh, in the whole entire season. Like It's incredible consistency from him. So what is Salah's real non-data value to FPL managers? Is it is his explosiveness or as Andy thinks it is, Salah proving valuable as a premium just because you can pay big bucks to guarantee a return from him and captain returns every week? that's more valuable in a world where random wing backs, mid-price midfielders, or whichever center back happens to be playing Leicester turn up with the high explosive high scores for a single game week and then disappear for a month. So how can this then relate to other premiums? Andy argues that while Salah remains the perma cap premium because he is so consistent then players like Ronaldo, Mane, KDB, Fernandes, San, uh, probably not Kane though, still prove worthwhile investments purely for their consistent drip-drip returns on the majority of weeks. You don't need to captain them to get value for money. Their value, he thinks, still is in their reliability, their predictability of scoring just something, anything, just scoring every other week. And that's something that's worth paying big for, bucks for too in a crazy season like this, even if you're not actually going to captain them. So, Andy's interested to hear what we think about this and whether he might be barking up a completely spurious tree. I don't think so, Andy. But he says, keep up the good work, Andy. Tom, your your thoughts on this? Premium players that you have on your side beyond Salah, what are, what do you have them for? Like, What is their value if you're not going to captain them?
0: Well, all right. There's this, this quite a lot to unpack here. The first thing is, of course, reliability is absolutely great. Captaincy sorted. I think it comes down to EO with... with with Salah, where you'd not take them as not a non because Salah? Because you know, that's the end of the discussion, I think, really. There's a lot of moving parts to this, but I guess it essentially comes down to the way in which the game is structured at any given time. And for me, it just comes down to EO as much as point scoring. So like in terms of players who aren't Salah, I personally don't care about owning a premium and not captaining them, because unless I've owned them all at, at the expense of a cheaper player who's matching them or even bettering them. So for example, if I own Mane rather than Jota, uh, at certain times in the year, I may be thinking, what am I doing? That's a waste of money. Uh, Anthony, your objectives as well, uh, we spoke about in terms of selling premiums, probably would have fed into this a little bit more. Uh, I guess there's an element of trust with the premiums as well, which I'll come back to in a minute. But in those Salah auto-capped days, Andy Rose enduring, which I think going to return soon. I think he'll be when he's back, he'll be rushed into so many teams. The idea was that you could have as many or as few premiums as you wanted, supplementing him. Remember the freemium idea from really early on in the season. The challenge really was to, to play the fixtures around the EO vacuum, which is Salah, and try to exploit chances for differentiation. So I've had a premium forward pretty much throughout the whole season with very limited success. The reason being that they've had good fixtures, and my hope was that they'd come good. Bottom line is, I think that you've got that reliability from Salah, and that enabled you to hunt for explosiveness elsewhere. In the current context as well, I think uh, I I end up saying this every year, but price becomes less and less relevant the further we get from game week one. And value, a word Andy uses a lot, becomes a lot more important. At the start of the season, we have what I refer to as price-quality heuristic. So we use the price that OFPL has given a player as a shortcut to discern a player's quality or value. So we have no other live data, we have kind of cold data from last season, judge our decisions on. And the price sort of acts as a reassurance, doesn't it? It's a bit of a comfort blanket, if you will, because they're so high priced, they must be a route to points and therefore things like captaincy. Now, though, we can discern a measure of value. Maybe we can do it qualitatively and perceptively using overall scores, so FPL points as a king metric. And maybe you might want to combine that with analytics, so you know, non-PenXGI on StatsBomb via FBREF, something I'd speak about an awful lot of the time, or some galaxy brain like FPL Review or Mikel Tokfam will metricize it for you. Uh, they both base things a lot more on value rather than price. The price is not really a concern for them. So price becomes... Really unimportant right now, essentially. So I'm not paying much attention to price anymore, especially as we've got a lot of cash slossing around at this particular moment. And instead, think with each move, what's the best value move I can do, which is uh, meat and drink to the who's FC, but still something that I think is that probably needs to be out there. So yeah, value is more impor- important than price right now. In a seller water capped world, who cares about price really? Outside of it, I don't really mind owning premiums, not captioning them. I think having Salah as your captain is the vacuum freeo. And the hump for explosiveness then begins. So, sorry, a bit of a meandering answer. Did that make any sense, Anthony?
1: Yeah, I think if I was to distill it down, you feel like really your other premiums beyond Salah, in the current context at least, tend to be bought for their explosive potential, as opposed to the reliability, largely because nobody else has proved reliable this season. That's been such a big feature of this season, which has meant, as you say, that so frequently we are cash rich um, because we just don't necessarily have a second premium because why bother? They haven't been providing the exclusivity that we would have expected with the price that they were given um, in the early season. So there you go, Andy. I hope your question was answered or at least uh, chewed in a different way to you, the way you might have chewed it yourself already. Thanks so much for emailing it in to who got the assist at gmail.com. We would welcome any correspondence that anyone else has. By sending it through to that email or indeed any other means if you wish to get it in. Thank you.
0: Oh, Cheers Andy. Right, moving on to the questions this week and they were quite scant today. I feel like many people are pretty much wiped out by recent events, taking a break a well-earned and Completely understandable break that people should be taking, apart from listening to this podcast, of course. Um, but we do have a couple of, uh, a few questions just to work through here. The first is on postponement paralysis. So Karam a good friend of the pod, asks, "How do we handle the Everton versus Leicester postponement?" As for us, we've got Everton assets, we've got, we took them for hits, and you know we, we've, we've uh, perhaps wasted a points there. And he asks, "You know, is there any room for joy in this game left?" And Benny Blanco, uh, Lord. Beniario of Blanco Lands are something very similar. What the flip, he didn't say flip, do we do now as we hurtle towards one disaster uh, after leaving another? Do we literally just look at the game we confronted us and pray? So, yeah, roll with the punch on Everton and Leicester. That's all you can do. I mean, we've got Leicester, we've got a question of luck versus skill coming up, which I'll speak about that a bit more on. But in terms of in the game. Like, look, it's been it's a very Anthony thing to do, isn't it? Look, the thing is, it's been a really rough period for engaged managers. I know that. And we can see through Twitter activity diminishing, and unfortunately, listener numbers diminishing as well, that people are beginning to kind of disengage a little bit. And it's obviously very understandable why someone would say, you know what, it's too random, I'm out of here." But in my view, there are a few things to remember. One is that COVID as far as we know has worked in waves and hopefully Omicron will do the same sort of waveform as others have. And this will hopefully pass soon. Hopefully I'm using the word hope a lot. I obviously have no way of, uh, grounding this at the moment in concrete in fact hopefully in a few weeks time we will see that hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll re-enter regular season programming before long hopefully it won't be this way forever two we've got lots of chips lots of doubles to come so once everything's cleared up it should be fun and three unless you've got desperately unlucky you've probably done okay-ish recently like most people I'd assume have maybe used one chip Potentially, or at least use hits to manage the situation. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Most people, and um, with managers dropping out of the game, there's even more scope to improve your rank as things move forward. Like I, I know it's unpopular, but I've really liked playing by the seat of my pants these last few weeks. I mean, uh, it's really... you
1: adapted well to it. You know, yeah. you had you had you had taken a policy entering the phase where it was just roll the dice if you felt like it, and that has set you up nicely. Whereas someone who just sat on their hands a bit too much has been caught here.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really exploded a lot of things in terms of received wisdom. So the the ways play FPL, a certain ways play FPL, which I characterize as a safe parallel park into the top 10K through cautious template play. Like Lucy, who will be on next year. That is exactly what she does. And Nick, to a lesser extent, was like that, the likes of Joe, Andy, General, people like that or do things like that and what's been really good in mini leagues like my work one is that I'm suddenly not playing a lot of Andy in general copycats week in week out because they've got a slit idea of what to do as we do which is really interesting so yeah you know this too shall pass it, it, it'll all be a lot closer to the FPL we will recognise and are familiar with soon with the added spice special doubles and things like that and as you just said playing game week to game week is all I think we can really do in answer to Benny's question and there are those unpalatable moves which you may do so for example taking Watkins out for Dennis knowing that I'll probably want kids back
1: really soon for another double game do, week. Do you even think a second game week in advance at the moment, Tom, with your transfers, When you take I- your minus hits, is there even is it even two game weeks? Is it just one game week? Um,
0: I, it's kind of like the emphasis is all on the, in the, in the normal times, it would be kind of, you know, for 50, 50, 40, 60, something like that. Now it's kind of 80, 20. I just kind of think, right, what can I do this week? And as I, as I was mentioned, there, move it, even though I know that Aston Villa are like to have a double game week and game week 23, 24, I'm still probably going to be moving Watkins for Dennis rather than Antonio. Antonio's got a bit of fixture than Watkins this week and I'm fine with taking a minus four or minus eight next week. It's just the way it is. I know what the fixtures will be this week. I don't know what the fixtures will be next week.
1: Yeah, and even if you do have a double game week, you don't necessarily know that the fixtures will be the way that they are, such as the way. So yeah, sorry. I just had to go for the... um, bit of fatalism uh, yeah No, know it's, it's a tough one I, I think it is just a matter of just play it week by week hope for the best and as you say with uh, Karam's question about the postponements roll with the punches and hope I guess that at, in the, at the end of the day we're all in the same boat to use the cliche that I know you love Tom but in that you know everyone would probably be affected by postponements catching them off guard at some point um, especially with the double game weeks that are coming up now, you'd expect a few of those will be COVID hit in some way, shape, or form, and uh, the luck might just uh, rebound your way. Uh, that's the only thing you can kind of hope for. Or, as you say, you can just lump in all of your hopes and dreams into the future in the chips um, and back yourself to uh, escape whatever hole you've fallen into because of things not going your way this game week.
0: Yeah, no, that's what you can do. I, I think you just—it's just—it's almost like a test of endurance at the moment, <laughs> like an Iron Man or something like that. I mean. I hear it all the time at work. People are like, oh, I don't really care anymore. That's absolutely fine. I can understand why. But I'm an FPL, one of the members of the FPL hardcore. So I'm, I'll be playing it no matter what because I'm a sad man. And um, I, if you are as, as sad as me, I'm sure you'll, you'll find a way to do it. And I just think in the future, without sounding like our great leader, Boris Johnson, I think there will be sunlit uplands and FPL will be interesting once more.
1: Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll just leave you quoting. I'll just leave you quoting Bojo as like uh, something for everyone to think about as we move yeah. on to the next question.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay, I will do that um, very very swiftly. Uh, so, Lucky Skill is next. So FPL, C&G, they they ask if the season has settled the luck versus skill debate once and for all. So as mentioned earlier, I guess this reaches towards all the same boat stuff that we were, of course, laughing at a few actual weeks ago um, with FPL General and I think three to four game weeks ago now. That was the end of last year, wasn't it? And since then, we've all been awarded the free hit and no doubt made countless changes to our teams. Now, I think we're at a point where... We actually probably are more in the same boat than we were before. Um, people, players are being ruled out and there's COVID postponements. And I'm not criticising Linda Nater or the Quellen here. But as we've seen, it's unclear who gets games when. Essentially, I think you stand the same chance now as, of getting lucky as everybody else. I think the playing field is fairly equal and I was speaking to a few, few people in a DM group just this weekend who said you know completely understandably it's difficult to manage and there's little you can do if a player gets a game called off due to COVID and you, know, you lose a game in double game week but this isn't dissimilar to I don't know a player getting an injury in game one and being out for game two we've all experienced that in the past as well Sado Mane anyone um, you know you, you, you have to try your best to manage the chaos you have the same resources as everybody else and to paraphrase Molly May the same 24 hours to utilize them. Uh, I grant that it's incredibly frustrating, that's for sure. Like, we're all in the same boat more than ever now. I think it is, it is probably accurate to say that because time has passed and we've, we've kind of been given our own sort of bits and pieces. And bad luck was always part of the game. You can't do anything once the deadlines ended. That hasn't changed. But obviously, that's come into the fore a bit more. Like, there's always a delicate balance between the two. Um, the best managers, also, positions that, the managers who put themselves in the positions get lucky. And luck as a factor, has had its profile exacerbated a little bit by the current circumstances. You know, you can't help but feel a bit pissed off if a double game week gets announced and you see people on Twitter with like six double game weekers and you're sat there with one or two. But I think that it's still intact and we've all got the same resources and it's just kind of how you manage the situation. That really is kind of the test that is here. And don't forget, it could be worse. You could have bought Michael Keane.
1: Yeah, well, the Michael Keen thing really hasn't worked out. Pretty unfortunate, but I think maybe that has been a a good flag of how, as you say, Tom, luck has fallen into it a bit more than it was already. I'm not going to go into percentages of what I thought and what I think it is now, but certainly I do think that luck, as you say, has a far bigger profile now than it did previously. Uh, Certainly the debate is not settled and it never will be settled that particular question.
0: No, no. All right, Um, and single game weekers and double game weeks um, and moving into the transfers and captains then. A couple of questions from the Slack we've got. So Goops asks uh, which single game weekers we keep if we're pulling a free hit. And Mitchell asks if if we'd ever captain a single game weeker due to fear of second games being called off. Um, So in a free hit, I did a free hit um, draft actually not very long ago, uh, no, uh, last week, I'm, I'm not. I'm almost definitely not doing it now, but I think I had Cancelo, Trent, provide these okay, of course, Jota, and one of the West Ham kids, probably Bowen, as I want to have Dennis Kane and Ronaldo up front if I did a free hit, I think. And uh, I think that'll probably be it. You know, you've got seven double game weakers who can be a mix of swords, picks, and there's some shields. And then, you know, you've, you've got the single game weakers just as downside protection. I, I guess, you know, in terms of shields, there are precious few which in the cohort of teams comprise this double game week. I mean, maybe Ronaldo, who he missed tonight due to a minor injury, De Gea probably, Kane. No, not that many. And I suppose that I can see if you're kind of going going for it and you're kind of going for um, you know, twenty-two players playing in a week, then it might not work for you to have single game weekers. But I think that balance is always worthwhile, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think just looking at the profile of the fixtures that are there, there there's no, as you say, clear double game players that you feel like you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to have that you wouldn't necessarily already have in your side. And so with that, you're kind of like, oh, you can have your single game players pretty handy and you can have quite a lot of them and I don't think you're going to miss out on all that much. Um, it, It's a very... It's an unexciting double game week from that perspective, uh, I think. Um, but at least it means that if you aren't playing the free hit, you probably won't lose out on um a huge amount. And um, so that, that's kind of that particular one. Uh, then Mitchell was asking about captioning single-game week players if you thought that they had the best weekend fixture through fear of a double-game week or not getting a second game. Well, the thing with this is that like Captain like this is gonna sound stupid, but Captain the player who you think is gonna get the most points. And I do feel like with that you might just land on, for example, a Liverpool asset playing at home to Brentford. And looking at the double game week options there, I don't think going for that Liverpool asset is um a bad call. With the number of double game week fixtures that are there, it's you know it's a close game, so you kind of you don't have the problem with COVID of you know the information problem. That at least it's a game that's on the Sunday, so it's not pushed off. The double game weekers, as you say, there is the risk that because their second game is so far off, that they they just end up being a single game week player anyway, um, and there be no win, no loss. So with that in mind, I just think yeah, captain the single game week player because they they have as good a chance of getting the most points, but also because. Um, the double game week sure the double game week players might not even get their double game week in the end just the way these things fall
0: yeah can understand the caution completely uh, just on the double game week uh, and the transfers and caps and sort of situation probably just worth kind of going through where we're at with them uh, with our teams that is i mean obviously so much can change but do you have a rough sort of plan in mind for where you're at what you're looking at doing
1: so my current issue is that i have so many flags and so many players that I'm kind of annoyed to be owning in my side. So just kind of to run through the 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 chief and issues here are Son, Foden, and, and I mean Smith Rowe. Um, but kind of beyond that as well, I just kind of feel like Rudiger, for example, is a player who I'm just not that interested in owning anymore. Uh, Chelsea's defense hasn't been going well enough lately. Uh. Mendy has gone to the AFCON and we'll see the extent to which that affects the Chelsea's clean sheets. They haven't been keeping enough of them already, as I say, and I'm not sure if that's going to improve with Kepa in nets. Josh King, for example, just hasn't been delivering for me and Emmanuel Dennis in the end didn't go to AFCON. So that means that... You know, I might I'll just move across to him and just accept my punishment there. I've taken enough of it already. There's there's enough moves. Also, as well, I still have Guaita and goals. Like I have enough problems in my side at this point. That it's just, do mm. like, you know what? Do I pull the to pull the wildcard problem? I keep my second free uh, free hit for whatever big day that might come. Um, and move on players. Like I haven't got a wildcard draft squad for you here, because as we said, everything is kind of feels a little bit futile as we kind of wait for the week to take on. So there is no draft sitting here right now. Only that I think I'll end up putting a lot more money into the city defense. Like right now I'm doubled up on it. I think I might triple up on that city defense, for example, and just like screw the problems with their forwards. For example, I'll figure out a way to make sure that I have a route back to Salah. Um, I'm not sure if I would keep Ronaldo when I move on like I probably will purely because of the double gaming that he has and you, know, you, you hope but at the same time I'm not going to build a team around let's say Ronaldo i would be kind of making sure that there's a way to get away from him I'll definitely hold on to a few Villa assets given how good their fixtures um, are kind of in the the near term at uh, Leeds as well i suspect i'll throw Rafinha into a wildcard squad just because i i want to get him in just given their fixtures are turning there'll probably be a few punts along the way there too um but uh, we shall see. That's that's my my general thought. I was wondering about Saka as well, actually. I've Basically, I had him when his data was good and his points weren't there. Then I sold him, and then he started getting all the points that he's got recently with, you know, whatever it was, returned in each of the last five game weeks. I think I owned him for about five game weeks or six game weeks and got one or two returns in total. So it's um, it's been a frustrating one, and I've had ESR for that period. I think I might have to just swallow my poison and get him back in as well, so that's that's kind of the, the broad brush of it, Tom, but because there's so many things that are subject to change, double gaming so I'd hope might be announced uh, I don't exactly know what I'm going to do
0: yeah, well hopefully you're reaching for the water rather than the oil to throw in your dumpster fire <laughs> so yeah, I can see why you'd be looking at wild guarding here that's for sure and I guess using that chip to try to make things better given the predicament you find yourself in makes a lot of sense to me um if you can see Anthony's team yeah it's definitely fun
1: with flags lots of problems. The the goalkeepers you'll laugh. It's Guaita with Rune Arson. What a guy! Uh, then he's been there all season long. Uh, Who? Then my my five defenders: um, uh, Benjamin White, as he prefers to be called, Rudiger, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, and Laporte. Then in midfield, ESR. Alan, the legend that is, Foden, Son, Bowen, and then up front, it's Watkins, King, Ronaldo. It is a disaster at this point.
0: Oh God! And then you've got one, two, three three double game weekers as well. So you might want to be
1: thinking that, that that's the problem too, but you know you, trying do you care about get them? more we do care about double game weeks, yeah, of course. Like I'll I'll probably have more than three if I was to wild card based on this for sure. Okay, cool.
0: All right. Well my team is looking okay. The only problem is I've got only Two doublers now with Son out, but one and a half with Ronaldo and Dallo. And Dallo looked injured tonight, that nasty gash to his ankle. We did play on complete the game, but it's still one and a half, I think, uh, with Dallo basically a single game week. I I can't see him playing both of those. So I'm looking at, hey, yet another minus eight to get three more doublers in. My my current thinking is that I sell Watkins for Dennis. I think that Watkins um, is... I'm probably going to want him back for the double game week or maybe Ings, but Dennis is probably going to be a must-have just as an EO thing here. His EO is going to be absolutely mad. There's lots of chat from the casual core. So people ask me at work about captioning him, for example, which is always my sort of barometer for this. I had a little uh, look through FPL General uh, when he tweeted about asking who everyone's captains were this week. And so many kind of non-FPL names had a uh, Dennis or a gif of Dennis being their captain. Now, I think he's been at the forefront of people's mind for their captains. I think he may hit that I don't know if he'll hit hundred but he's gonna he's gonna really be up there. I mean the fixtures are okay. I think people are going to look at him and kind of think you know outside of the. Engagement man the mindset people are going to look at Dennis and say okay he's the highest scoring forward he does have a flag I know and he's playing Newcastle who are crap Burnley who are crap and he's got Norwich in 23 so I think people may well think oh he's got the best double game week out there I might captain him so I think owning him is probably going to be worthwhile I'm probably going to look at something a bit unorthodox I'm probably going to look at doing maybe steer to Sanchez um Because I realised this morning, I've got Ramsdale. And I realised that he and Ramsdale actually cover each other because Ramsdale has two blanks coming up. Sanchez is a blank coming up. And this week, Ramsdale's got Spurs. Next week, he's got Burnley. Whereas this week sanchez got double game week next week he's got leicester so i, I might want to swap them rounds and do a rare sort of a goalkeeper rotation just for a little while and i get guaranteed payoff as well because Steele would get zero and then i've got son to deal with and there's lots of unexcited names in the mix for that um but it's ultimately a free game pump where his replacement is concerned because i'll be getting rid of them in two game weeks for salah so three games two game weeks i should say so who the hell is going to come in there? So Lucas has crossed my mind, of course, but there's a whiff of selling Richarlison to buy Walcott about that one. Don't know if any of you were involved with that
1: debacle. That's a serious throwback.
0: Yeah, that's yes, yeah, exactly. Really 20, that's off uh, 2017. I think that was yeah, that was absolutely yeah. absolutely dreadful. Uh, that was off has Scored goals in the first two game weeks, got to 30% within two weeks, and then basically all those players stopped playing. But Rashardson was one of those players, like a. Uh, Wilson and Fraser were, but if they did anything, casuals would just fit their rank with a flap. Less engaged managers, I'd say their ranks would flap. Um, so, probably not going to do Lucas. Madison, highly rated on the Algos. I don't particularly race him myself, but he'd probably be the one I'd go to if I was defaulting to the Algos. But Leicester's team's utterly decimated and they're calling off games left, right, and centre with loads of players not just come back for, for a while. So, I, I'm not sure whether I can go with that either. And then, you know, you've got the likes of Trossard and McAllister. Don't know. I've got. Not, I haven't got much interest in Brentford either. So I guess you no know, tenth and top 10th at the moment. Mason Mount, uh, I guess, is where I'm going to default to. I and mean, there's, there's there are three tricky games for Chelsea. No, no doubt about that. Uh, the double game week of Man City away, Brighton away, and then Tottenham at home over the next three. But I mean, he's eight for non-pen expected goal involvement this season, by the way, which is better than Trent Ronaldo and the likes of Foden and Bernardo as well. But I think he's probably going to be where I go. Just default to him. I'm confident he plays the next three games for Chelsea, and uh, you know, I'm hoping that he'll make good on that over the short period I've got him for. Because then they blank because they go away to the to the um, World Club Cup. Because so then it's, it's no problem for me to be buying in Salah because he'll have gone. So yeah. Steer, Watkins and Son out for Sanchez, Dennis and Mount is what I'm looking at at the moment for a minus eight. It takes me up to five doublers or four and a half. And I've got loads of single game-weekers of good games, like the Liverpool pair and Antonio and Bone versus Leeds. And captain-wise, I have no idea. The algorithms are currently saying a reluctant Ronaldo captain missed the game tonight with minor problems. Should be all right, hopefully. Get Firmino. Mm, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, you know, I, just, it
1: I know there's no double there, but you know, for no,
0: for game, home. I'm just covering Den. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna cover Dennis. No, I, I think I, yeah. Dennis
1: is definitely one that you'd want. Yeah,
0: I'm not. And I'm not. I'm not selling Antonio against a home to Leeds. Um, I'm just gonna leave that one. I think and do the chances elsewhere. But I mean, could I captain Ronaldo? I don't know. Is he gonna play both? I don't know. Am I really gonna consider captain Dennis? I don't know. I just don't know at this point. And by next by next Friday, Friday deadline, it could all have changed. So there you go. But I probably will be keeping it's my like- free
1: hit. Wrapped in the albatross around the neck of an underperforming team of overpaid players or the overperforming player at the top of a underperforming team. You know, like I don't um, know.
0: Underperforming category in fantasy football
1: as well. Yes.
0: Well, on that note of fantastic concrete certainty, I suppose we should leave you, right, Anthony?
1: Yes, indeed. I think we should round this one off. So thanks so much to everybody for listening. You were listening to Who Got the Assist. If you want to send correspondence in and be like Andy Penman this week, who got the assist at gmail.com is the email that you should send that on to. Thanks for listening
0: yeah thanks for listening we'll be back next week maybe with a guest i'm not sure yet Uh, but in the meantime i hope to assist you in this most fraught random and weird of times play game week to game week enjoy yourselves as much as you possibly can and we'll speak to you very very soon goodbye oh it's a goal who got the assist who got the assist